All right, Sarah, we are in the spoiler section for Halloween, and uh, this is going to give us a chance to kind of talk about the things we liked and disliked about this movie and its strengths, its weaknesses, uh, which I think we both agree there are plenty on both sides. Uh, Maybe you a little less on the strengths and and definitely more on the weaknesses. Uh, I do think that there are good things and bad things about this movie. So before we get into anything, though, uh, we are going to do what we usually do, which is we're going to uh, do the rundown here on the info regarding this movie. So Halloween, eh, this is the 2018 version, um, and I want to talk about that title in a minute, but hold off. Uh, Halloween was released on October 19th, 2018. It was written by David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, and Jeff Fradley. It was directed by David Gordon Green with a runtime of an hour and 46 minutes, a budget of $10 million. Its box office thus far is $80.8 million. It had a a huge uh, opening, especially for a horror movie. Um, I think it just broke a bunch of records. Um, And it stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, Andy Matichek, and Will Patton. So, um, all right. So let's... um, Let's first get into Geek Speak. All right. So Geek Speak uh, is our chance to talk about anything crazy, geeky that's happened in the last week. Um, And because we're kind of going in the spoiler for Halloween, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. But last week, I recommended The House or The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. Now, I made the mistake of recommending that without having watched it. I only rec- and I said that I recommended it based on a lot of people whose opinions I valued. Uh, friends of mine who said, you know, you've got to check this out. This is fantastic. You're probably gonna like it. And so I I made that recommendation. And in retrospect, I probably shouldn't have recommended it unless I saw it. But I'm here to say, I I I I think that you have to watch the Haunting of Hill House. I've watched it. It is fantastic. It is amazing. Like it's not, I can't even begin to tell you how good the haunting of Hill House is. Is it very, very scary? Like it's, scary? it's um no it has its moments, okay? It's it doesn't it doesn't rest on jump scares. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you there are a few jump scares in this movie. Or a movie, the this show, but <laughs> it's um it, it's more on atmosphere. In just a general sense of just creepiness and dread that kind of pervades this entire show. So and it's more an interesting scary. Yes. And I'm going to just tell you right now, the acting is phenomenal. The directing is sublime. I mean, the shot selection that's employed. Um, there are this, – this show has, I think, maybe the best transitions – that I've ever seen from scene to scene. Um, I'm just going to say that there are there's flashbacks that you go back in time to when these, these adults, cause it's all set in present day, but then we go back and we see them as kids. And I'm just going to say that the transitions from present to past and past to present are exquisite and they're done through visual cues. Okay. So for instance, a character in the present might be putting things in a box and boom, a character in the past 
is putting things in a box. It's 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 transitioning that way. Someone opens a door in the past and we're suddenly in the present with somebody coming through a door. It's so well done. The editing, the shot selection, the acting, the directing, it is a a tour de force of great um writing and just a fantastic production. And the 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 production design itself is also a highlight. I mean, this is one of the best shows I've seen in a while. It may be the very best horror show that I've ever seen. Damn, that's some high praise. Yeah. So I, there you go. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch this Halloween night. Well, I eat the trick or treaters candy. <laughs> it's 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 ten parts. And wow. each episode is about 55 minutes. So I'm just going to tell you, if you're going to watch it, you're going to do it on Halloween, you've got to, you've got to clear about 10 hours. Good Lord. Yep. But I guarantee you, once you get started, you're not going to want to stop. Awesome. I so love horror, so. Yep. Sounds and right up my alley. So maybe I'll start this yep. weekend. And we, we got, and we got to and we got to cover it. We're going to cover it on the podcast. So look out for that. Uh, we're not going to do episode by episode, I think. But we're probably There's gonna. A hole. Well, yeah, I'm thinking of, it's either gonna be a two, two four part series. I don't. You and I can discuss it. We'll figure it out. But <laughs> it can't be done in one episode. I really don't think it can. Okay. So we'll, we'll discuss it. Uh, all right. So um, the plot synopsis very simple. Forty years after escaping the knife of Michael Myers, Laurie Strode is ready for her final battle. While her family thinks she's crazy, she knows that it's only a matter of time before evil shadow crosses her doorstep once again. And this time, she's going to be ready. Except she's not. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, let's get to our, our one-sentence review, Sarah. Um, my one-sentence review for Halloween is, while Halloween gets some of it right, the movie seems unable to decide whether it wants to be an homage to the original or if it wants to break some new ground. Yeah, very much so. Uh, my one sentence review is similar. It's Halloween tries to recreate the magic of the original, but instead delivers a watered-down horror movie that showcased its best scenes in the trailer with a cast that felt like they were there for mostly a paycheck. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Um, all right, let's, let's start, uh, let's start diving into this movie. Um, so before we get into apparently destroying some this movie somewhat, on your <laughs> part, I think, quite a bit, let's talk about the things we liked about this movie. So do you mind if I throw out one of the first things that I liked? Go for okay. it. Okay. So I like the setup for this movie. Um, if we're going to cut out everything from the original Halloween movie onward, so now we're just jumping ahead 40 years later. It's after the original, after that one night where Laurie Strode managed to survive Michael Myers. So in that time, Michael has been imprisoned. Now, we have to remember, Michael hasn't said a word since he was six years old. Right? So he hasn't said a yeah. word to anybody all these years later. It's been, what was it? I'm trying to think, how many years was it in the original Halloween? Wasn't it something like 17 years later, I believe, when he, when he, when he escaped? So he was oh, yeah. six, and then I think 17 years later went by, so he was like 23 so now it's 40 years later after that. So he's in his 60s here. Sure looks it. Right. Now, I do like the idea that, that Lori, in the first movie, she was this um, 
you know, just a teenager, right? I mean, she's in high school. She's she's sweet, very nice. But this event has more or less given her like this this PTSD state of living. I mean, she's basically a prepper out there in the woods because she's convinced that Mike was going to come back someday to try and kill her. That, you know, if you'd experienced what she did all these years ago with fighting what appeared to be a monster, not a human being, mind you, a monster, a monster that didn't seem to die after, you know, she managed to get him pretty good, as I recall, in the original, and yet he still managed to live. So she feels that this is a monster. This isn't a human being. And as such, he's going to find a way to escape one day and come looking for her again. So if that's the case, she's going to have to find a way to be ready for him. Um, so I like that. I also like that her daughter grew up in this lifestyle for you know, the first 12 years of her life and uh, was taken out of that situation and has kind of rebelled and is, you know, not really talking to her mom. They don't have a good relationship in this movie, but I do like it. And I feel also like this bears a lot of resemblance to Sarah Connor's or Sarah Connor uh, from Terminator, right? Because if you, you've seen the original Terminator, Right. Yes, long ago. Okay, so in that movie, she was like this sweet, very nice waitress, and then you get to Terminator Two: Judgment Day, and she is a freaking badass in that movie. And this movie kind of felt like that, you know, um, where Laurie was sweet, and nice in the first movie, and in this movie, she is. She's got guns, and she's she goes out in the shooting range, and she just practices shooting all the time. She's always ready constantly for Michael to come back. So I like the setup. Okay. I like the setup quite a bit. I think it works, but um, the follow through, not so much. Uh, anyway, Sarah, what, what, did, what did you like about this movie? What are the things that you particularly uh, thought were a strength? I definitely agree with you in that. I like the family aspect to it. You know, she has a daughter, her daughter has a daughter and she doesn't have a great relationship with her daughter, but she has a seemingly decent relationship with her granddaughter. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really good dynamic. And I wish they would dwell upon that a bit more and we could flesh that out because it wasn't touched on enough, but it was touched on enough that it was intriguing and it makes you want to know more. And so that was something that I thought was really great about the movie. Um, that was really smart. Uh, the only thing, like I said, is just, I wish there was more of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I also like that the the three generations of the Strode women are the ones that bring Michael down. I mean, at the end of the movie, not, not to get to the end of the movie, uh, but they each are responsible for Michael and where he's at. Now, I'd like to say Michael's dead. Because, but we know better than that. You know, and, and that to me, honestly, is a bit of a failing of this movie. Um, I think that's a problem because everything has to have the ability to die. Everything, right? I mean, I know that Michael is seems like more or less he's like this immortal being, but he's still a human. I mean, I, I, he's I know, aged. right? I mean, I know that in the other movies, as things went along, it got crazier and crazier in the mythology, and it just got honestly, it got 
crazy wacky and it just it almost basically well no it ruined halloween the series ultimately ruined halloween because they got away from the simplicity of the initial premise of the whole thing right um and i don't i never liked that i thought you know this is getting ridiculous people okay come on i mean and every one of them did it i mean whether it was you know freddie jason they all did the same thing i mean eventually the mythology got so I mean, just so muddled, right? I mean, it got it got crazy because they just added so much more onto the the character, and it just ruined those characters. And the mo- the scripts in the movies were just terrible after a while. But I feel like you know everything needs to die, and the way they set that up. I mean, he's in a basement. And he's he's locked in there. He can't get out. It's set on fire. I'm sorry. I I I, I can't. I can't. Like believe. there is no way I could rest unless I dismembered him and burned each body part individually. That's the only way I'd be able to rest after all that. And I get that, but I mean, even he's not going to be able to. You know, nothing can just like okay, I'm going to put you in a furnace and burn you alive. You're not going to survive that. I don't care. Who you are, anyway. That's of uh, of all the things that happened in this movie, though. That's not the top of the list of things I disliked. Um, I like the acting in this movie. I uh, now I know you obviously seem to have uh some problems, but I Sorry. didn't have a problem. I thought that Jamie Lee Curtis. I felt like she was invested in the role. I felt like she came to play. I didn't feel like she was phoning it in. And from the interviews that I've seen with her, I mean, she was excited about this movie. She. She was um, reinvigorated. She really wanted to come back and and make a great Halloween movie. So I never, I never uh, questioned her commitment to the role. I felt like she was trying really hard. Um, and I think Judy Greer. I've I've always liked Judy Greer. I've seen her in many many movies. I never really feel like she gives a bad performance. Uh, in fact, I think she adds a lot of uh, weight to what could have been a pretty bad role. And a lesser actress, and I think the the granddaughter, um, what's the actress's name? Uh, Andy Matichak. Uh, she's basically a, a nobody. Um, I mean, she hasn't done a lot. Is what I'm saying. I mean, she hasn't. She's done, new blood. Yeah, I mean, she, they wanted they, they wanted somebody who was new. Other actresses came in, well known actresses like Lucy Hale, uh, that that tried to get the role, but the studio wisely. And I think this is a good decision. Wisely wanted I to pick too. somebody that was not recognizable. Nobody knew who they were at this point. This could be their breakout role, that kind of thing. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, and then there's Will Patton. I've always liked Will Patton as an actor. Um, kind of like Judy Greer. I feel like he's just one of those solid character actors that will pretty much elevate any script or any movie he's in just because he's there. Uh, I've seen him in many, many, many movies over the years. And uh, I've always liked what he brings to a movie. So for me personally, I thought the acting was actually pretty good. Um, yeah, I agree with you about Jamie Lee Curtis and the granddaughter. But yeah, I love Judy Greer, but I don't feel like like I know what she's capable of. And I feel like this was just her going through the motions for the most part. Same with the uh, reporters. I just kind of felt like they were just 
there to push the story along and I couldn't feel anything from them. Not like I could with like Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, totally. I agree. I mean, I think the reporters, they, the characters aren't needed. And I, I don't think the, the actors were particularly great there either. You know, I think they're they bring like, it down a bit. Yeah. They're just like there for uh, no reason. <laughs> and they, I think they knew it. Yeah. Let, let's talk about, let's get into the things we disliked about this movie. Um, what did you hate? Okay. So uh, one of the things that really gripes me is when uh, the granddaughter and her friend are like walking, they're having a discussion about Michael and they had to talk about, isn't he her like brother? And he's like, no, no. And blah, blah, blah. It was like and, a like, rumor. They mi- yeah. They might as well have just looked at the camera and been like, you got that? <laughs> just like, that's just kind of. It's placed there for us, and it's very obvious that they're talking right to us. Right. I mean, they're, they're basically – it's basically the people that have followed the whole Halloween series over the years and are fully aware of a lot of the developments, like the one with – like suddenly Lori is uh, blood-related to Michael, you know, which yeah. is the, why their connection exists basically. Yeah, big time. And uh, the reporters, like we said, no reason for them to be there whatsoever. You could take them out of the movie entirely and nothing would change. You could just have the therapist present the mask, which would have made more sense because of his obsession with Michael. But nope, they had to have reporters do that and be the intro into Laurie for, yeah, I guess the new blood watching it. If you haven't seen the original Halloween, but if you haven't seen the original Halloween, why would you watch this one? Yeah. But yeah. And they didn't use any CGI throughout this movie for the majority of this movie, except for one thing, and that was the damn spikes in the trap that traps Michael, and you could tell. And I'm oh, just yeah. like, yep. why couldn't you hire a carpenter to just put some bars across? Why not? Why did you have to CGI that, and it's so bad? Yeah, I mean, it would have cost them less to actually create it themselves than the CGI, yeah. probably, that, that actually was in the movie. Exactly. I was like... I have everything. Would you CGI that? <laughs> it was just so weird. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe they made it. They filmed it, and I don't know. Maybe made a last minute decision to put them there, and so they, I don't know. Whatever it was, it just it was weird. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm trying to think how I want to talk about the the things I disliked uh, in this movie. Um. Oh, and like they hide in the basement, and the first thing that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis does is shoot Michael up from the floor. Like, okay, hey, hey, we're here. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was stupid too. I'm like, why would you do that? Now he knows exactly what's, where you what's are. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so people still do stupid things in these movies. Um, things that it just it's it's an irritating thing. I know that the original Halloween and horror movies around that time you know, help to create that whole stupid person uh, going to look by, the, you know, by themselves in a basement or in an attic or in some darkened area, you know, oh, there's a noise. Is that my boyfriend? Let me go see if he's there. And, you know, then you're just, you're dead. You know, you're yeah. suddenly impaled by a machete or if you're Freddy Krueger, uh, in a Freddy Krueger movie, you're, you're impaled by Freddy's you know, blades, finger blades. Uh, and then in this movie, you're impaled by a knife from Michael Myers. Um, 
So here's the question. So in this movie, uh, you have Allison, her her friend, her blonde friend. She calls her and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm over at this kid's house. You know, I'm, I'm watching him. And then her boyfriend comes over. We already know who he is. We've been introduced uh, to him earlier in the movie. And so they're making out on the couch and she hears a noise coming from upstairs. Now, she is paranoid enough at this point to go, wait a second, that's weird. I think you should go check it out. Yeah, so I don't want to get killed. So you then, right. And okay, fine. But, you know, here's the thing. Then this kid that she's watching runs down the steps and says, help me. There, Like she says, there's a, there's a man. He was staring at me uh, in my room or like outside my room. He was standing there staring at me with the white mask on. So she hears this noise, right? And it, it, her her spider sense basically goes off and she's like that's weird go check it out i'm i'm afraid enough to where i don't just brush it off as a noise the the house settling whatever so she's weirded um she's weirded off by that sound to go have her boyfriend look and then when the kid comes down and says there's a man up there why don't you then just leave the house? That makes no sense. There's no logical yeah. sense to that whatsoever. If you're okay. afraid enough that someone might be in the house and then this kid comes down to you and says, there's somebody in the house, why would you then go and say, oh, let's go and look and see if we can find the scary boogeyman that's up there? What? You make fun of him too. <laughs> like, like it's, it's just, yeah. it, I, I, I get it. Okay, I understand. This is part of Halloween. This is what happened in other Halloween movies. But you know what you can do? You can be smarter. Original. Right? How do, different. Why don't we make it so that the person isn't doing something stupid by going and looking for someone that, you know, a noise that they hear down in the basement? Why, if you're like afraid that someone might be down there, why do you go down? And that worked <sighs> – 40 years ago, it doesn't work anymore. And it's stupid. It's annoying. Like, I, I don't – I sat there in the theater. I just – I groaned is what I did. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are you yep. kidding me? Like, this kid is telling you I saw a man in a mask up in my room. I'm running for the cops. Yeah. Grab his hand. Warning bells going off. <laughs> yep. Grab his hand. Grab the boyfriend's hand. We're out of here. Okay, we're running down the the street. We're going to somebody's next door neighbor. We're calling the cops. Period. Like yeah. you don't. I just. I was just. That stuff annoys the hell out of me. And yeah. eh, anyway, um, two extra bad things about that scene were you know, when she goes and you know pushes on the door in the trailer. She pushes on it like sixteen times. <laughs> like it was excessive enough that in the theater I'm like, oh, I can probably go get popcorn while she's pushing on that door from the trailer. But no, they must have like taken some criticism from the trailer and that because they edited down to her pushing on that door twice. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess they listened to us. Um, and then yeah, that kid he runs out after you know, everything starts going down, and you don't see him again ever. Yeah. Yep. Just yep. like you, you know, predator wife goes upstairs, never see her again. Kid runs away. That's it. Right. It's <sighs> bad writing. Right. Um. And I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I I I gotta I gotta say I did not like the evil Loomis. Uh, 
psychiatrist. Oh, yes, so I, I call him, I call him Evil Loomis because that's he's that's because that's what Laurie said. You're the you're the new Loomis is basically, you know what he is, right? And I know that they're like, okay, this is the new Loomis, but now we're gonna make him bad. So this whole movie, he has an obsession with Michael. Fine. Okay, Loomis had an obsession with Michael too. You know, like he thought that he was pure evil and he probably should have been killed. But here's the thing. First off, if this if this uh, doctor had worked under Loomis for years, then he was fully aware of what Loomis thought of Michael. And I don't. I guess. I guess I just have a hard time buying that this doctor has this obsession with with wanting to understand how Michael views death and how he feels when he's trying to kill people. Like this guy should know what it's like to deal with cold-blooded psychopaths. I mean, this can't be the first time he's ever encountered somebody that has absolutely zero empathy for other people and will kill them no problem. And and number 2, like he he kills Will Patton's character, the the police officer, right? And he puts Michael's mask on his face and he says something to the effect of, so this is what it's like. And I'm thinking, no, this isn't what it's like. Like, you can't be Michael Myers. You, first of all, I, I don't think for a second that this this doctor is a cold-blooded psychopath. I think, yes, he, he got obsessed with Michael, fine, and he wants to figure out what it's like to be Michael Myers, but... You can't do that. I mean, for one thing, here's a question. Michael Myers hasn't spoken since he was six years old. So nobody, nobody, that includes Dr. Loomis, it includes this guy, it includes any police officer that's ever encountered him when he was being interrogated, you know, has ever gotten a single word out of this guy. So let me ask you, how could you possibly know anything about him? Nobody knows anything. Unless he's willing to talk, how are you going to know anything? Yeah, he literally just sits there, he does nothing, right. and you observe. All you can do is read stories about him, read interviews with Lori, observations maybe, but unless he does or says something, no psychiatrist is going to be able to give you anything on him because there's no interaction. So I'm like, just like, like whatever, you know, I just thought it was, it was, they needed to get Allison to Lori's, you know, home in the woods. That's the only reason this whole, to me at least personally, the only reason that this whole evil turn by the scientist, and, and I now recognize the fact that he's the one that probably engineered the crash in the beginning. Oh, yeah. But they don't, they didn't need him to do that. They didn't even need to reveal how that happened. Nope. That wasn't even necessary. But for me, the only reason this exists is they need to get they need to get Allison from her current location in the movie to Lori's. So we're gonna we're gonna twist everyone's expectations. We're gonna make this doctor suddenly kill the police officer and you know take everybody on a joyride to Lori's, and then he gets his head squashed in like a melon. Yep. So I hope that was fun, dude. You know. And that's another thing I really hated about like the bus crash. You know, Lori's out there with her car. She watches Michael get on that bus. She watches the bus drive off, and then she goes to like with the bar to have a drink or whatever, or goes to that dinner or something like that. It was yeah. And 
Yeah, it was her granddaughter's thing. Yeah. I originally thought, you know, hey, she's going to go and tail that bus, make sure he gets there, and inside, back inside prison walls, and she can sleep again. But instead, she just watches it drive off. It's like, okay, I'm going to go have a nice drink and hang with my family. Like, no, I don't buy that for a second. Yeah. Also, Michael's the only person on that entire bus who has a violent, like a really, truly violent past. Like, he's the only one that you would ever really have to worry about, really. I mean, I'm not saying that none of these other people could get off and maybe possibly harm somebody, but Michael's the only one that will kill. Why don't you have a police escort? Yeah, like, or like SWAT escorts. <laughs> I mean, you should, just because, you know, you might not think the opportunity might exist for him to get out, but police escorts exist for a reason, and I feel like a couple of police cars probably would have helped, and this movie wouldn't have happened. But, yep. whatever. Um, so I want to, I want to change a storyline in this movie. I want to tell you how I would have, you know, retold this script to make this a much stronger movie. Go for it. So what I would have done is I would have cut out the new Loomis character (laughs) completely. Okay. Not even necessary. I would have also cut out the beginning 20 minutes. The podcasters are gone. Um, if the if the Loomis psychiatrist psychiatrist exists, he has the mask and he's killed in the first ten minutes of the movie. Michael finds out he has the mask, he manages to to break free and get the mask and he's out. End of story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So here's what I would have done. Lean into the family drama. I hate to say that, it might sound crazy, but hear me out. This is what I would have done. Michael finally makes his way to where Lori is, like, to uh, Lori's daughter's home, basically, right? He's kind of tailing, you know, trying to find Lori, and he happens to spot her. She and her daughter are having an argument, okay? Uh-huh. And her husband's there, and Allison's there. And she's talking about the fact that Michael got out and they're like, you're crazy. Uh, you know, there's nothing, nothing's going to happen. And so after this big argument, you know, occurs, uh, Lori, you know, angrily gets in the car and drives away. And Allison um, leaves, right? She's like, I got to get out of here. This is just too much. I'm out. Right. And it's Halloween and everything. So, of course, she's got a party to go to. And so she's got her costume. She leaves. So, we you know we see Lori. We get some flashbacks and stuff to to uh, her daughter as a kid and how she was training her. We get some of the stuff we got in the movie. All right. Now we go back to the house. Michael has a plan. All right. Rather than trying to tail down tail Lori, trying to figure out where she's at, he's gonna go in and he's gonna kill her daughter. She's he's going to bring Lori to to him by killing her daughter because if if her family is in danger Michael knows that Lori will come looking for him right so just by killing her daughter for instance it'll bring Lori his way right especially if you know she can find if he can find Allison too but just by killing his daughter or her daughter it will force Lori to change her plan now at this point Michael of course doesn't know 
that Lori's been training for this all her life, all that stuff. But anyway, so Michael goes in the house. He kills her husband. Okay. Like he did in the movie, right? He goes in. He kills the husband. And here's the thing. Even though Karen is estranged from her mother, even though uh, she resents her mom for all the stuff she had to do all those years, all that training, all that stuff, turns out that that actually is what saves her in this movie, in this instance. Because that training comes back to her in this moment, she's able to escape Michael and get out of there. Okay. Unfortunately, her husband's dead. That sucks. But she he gets was out. kind of mad anyways. But, well, here's the thing. But the training works. That's the big thing. Yeah. And what ultimately happens is because the training works and because it saved her life and now she knows that her mother is, is right, Michael is back and obviously out to kill, she immediately tries to go and find her daughter. All right. And once that happens, that's what leads us to Lori's house. So all of this happens, this this kind of narrative, is what brings it all to a head, what brings everybody to Lori's house is the fact that Karen's husband's dead, but the training worked. Allison sees that Michael's alive too, right? Because he's going to appear again. He's going to kill a couple more people at least, right? And she's going to, she and her mom are going to see it, you know, people being killed as he's coming after them. And they're going to get into a car and they're going to manage to flee. Michael can drive. So Michael is going to find a vehicle. We've seen – we know he can drive. He's done it before. Okay. Um, so one way or another, he's going to find his way to Lori's house, right? It could be following them in a vehicle. But one way or another, it all comes to that house. And the, and the back end of that movie can play out more or less the same. I'm fine with that. There's no problem. But I think the main narrative thrust was lean into the family drama Make sure that we see Karen surviving an ordeal with Michael all by herself. I think that would have been vitally important in, in this movie. Not the end of the movie, but about halfway through the movie, she you know, survives an attack by Michael Myers. And it's because of what her mother taught her. You know, taught her how to shoot a gun. Taught her how, how to you know, hand-to-hand combat how to survive, all these things. And because of that, it allowed her to escape. Had she not had that training, she would have died. And that's what she understands in this movie. For good and for bad, ultimately, what her mother taught her in that moment saved her life. And I think that's partly what is, you know, kind of helps this resolution between mother, daughter, and, and granddaughter all coming together at the end to fend off this evil thing. But I think if they would have taken that route, had Michael attack Karen and her husband and Karen survive, and that ultimately Michael finds a way to, you know, follow them, get back to Lori's, you know, bunker, which is basically what it is. And and the final, you know, bit of that movie kind of plays out like more or less like it did. I think that would have been a better narrative. You could have cut out a lot of junk in this movie and replaced it with good stuff. And I think it would have been – it needed to be leaner. It needed to be tighter. And it needed to lean into the family stuff because that, I think, is where the movie is at its strongest. Absolutely. You understand what what I'm getting at? Like I'm not like – 
yeah, it would have been far more rewarding to see, like, the three of them kind of come together and fight against him instead of, you know, the way it was. It would have been so much better. It would have been, like, a build, a climactic buildup, you know, that actually paid off in the end. Well, I mean, like, like I mean, I thought the ending worked good. I mean, I do. I, I mean, I think it would have been better if Allison would have been there from the beginning, okay? Yeah. And by the way, like, her... The, Karen's husband gets killed at the end of this movie, and like nobody even acknowledges it. You notice that? I was like, oh, well, he's out. <laughs> Seriously, like, like he dies. Karen, I mean, I don't even know if she knows, but she should know, especially by this point. But like, she did. She looked sad for like a moment, and that was it. And Allison had no idea either, and it's just like, wow, you know, okay. Um, and he was an idiot for even going out there. I mean, really, <laughs> that's like another one of them stupid decisions. Hey, is anyone out here? <laughs> well, I know it's a cop car, but. But, like, you know Michael is coming, and I know he's not familiar enough with this, but you don't go out there. Let the cops get out of the car. Do not leave. Whatever. Anyway, I, th- I think... Watch the window like a normal person. I, th- I think the vital... Like I said, the vital moment for me would have been Karen escaping Michael because it would have taught her that her training ultimately was worth it. It would have it taught her... Well, she would have then understood what her mother went through all those years ago, right? I mean, let's face it. She would have understood because A, she lost somebody that she loved, her husband, and B, she survived an attack by Michael Myers. So she would have replicated to a certain extent what her mother went through all those years ago. And I think that that is the way to go. It brings mother and daughter back together again with a tragic but ultimately a a better understanding. She could have gone to her mother and said, more or less, I understand what you went through. I'm so sorry. I really am. It was all worth it in the end, ultimately. And have like a a moment where we actually feel some emotion between the two of them. Right. Exactly. Um, Not at the very end when at that point it's just like we're getting to the end credits here. They didn't have enough time to show us anything. And another thing that this movie didn't do a great job of, they did it in spurts, was atmosphere. The atmosphere in this movie was not as good as the original, not by a long stretch. That All the you, good atmosphere was in the trailers. Yes, the there was points where the atmosphere worked, where it felt creepy and, and it was well done, but then it would evaporate. And I just didn't feel like this movie was able to keep that creepy atmosphere like the original did. Totally. Yeah, um, couldn't agree more. Yeah, I just... I mean, look, the performances, I thought, like I said, I thought the performances were good. I thought the the girl that played uh, Allison, um, Andy Matichak, I, I thought, you know, she did a good job as well in this movie. Um, I just thought that it was... Like, what was the likelihood? And I know it's a horror movie, and I know I keep harping on stuff like this. But I'm sorry, but... <laughs> What's the likelihood that Michael just happens to go into the house of one of Allison's best friends? Right. I mean, you get this this whole town, and you happen to go on this one street, in this one house. What's the likelihood that that happens? And by the way, it makes it so that he's not pure evil. Because we see him like near the beginning, he killed that kid and um i forget which scene it was 
but he kills one of the a kid. But then we go along with the story, and it's going through the houses, and he like walks up to this baby crib, a baby's crying, and keeps going. Doesn't kill. That just proves to us that there's a line somewhere. It's not a very you know hard line, but there's a faint line somewhere. It's not pure evil. Right. I don't really want to see a, a baby killed. By no, the way, like, don't worry. I'm not uh, arguing. Like, hey, kill that baby. <laughs> but I also understand what you're saying. I thought I kind of thought the same thing. I'm like, well, okay. Um, I guess he's not a threat. <laughs> I suppose whatever. And what um, was with the head bashing through this whole movie? Like everyone he like got a hold of, it was just head bashing. I'm just like, why? It's not yeah, effective. I thought that they, I I thought less is more. Honestly, yeah, less is more. It doesn't need to be. Everyone gets their head bashed. Yeah. like be a little more original, please. I think that's a Rob Zombie thing too. That's kind of his alleyway. Yeah, like I said, in regards to the ending, because Michael just suddenly disappeared from the scene. You know, like the the whole house is burning, and they do a shot of the the basement. And he's not in there. And I'm just like, where'd he go? I don't see a way out of here. It's flames. He turned into a hundred mini Michaels and just went through the vents. <laughs> What else could it be? I guess. I, I guess. Uh, but obviously, with the money that this has made, it's gonna it's gonna get a sequel. Um, of course. I just think I I just hope that they come up with a better idea. I mean, look, I kind of wish that he would have been dead, because yeah. they could have come up with a sequel and started something new, you know. Um, and if you go back to um. Yeah, look at some of the horror movies from earlier this year. Okay. Um, Hereditary. Hereditary was good. Amazing. And uh, what was the other one? Um, a Quiet Place. A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place, The ha- one of the hallmarks of that movie was its sound design. Yes. They should brilliant. have hired the people that did the sound design for that movie. They could have made this just by atmosphere and sound design alone. They could have done wonders with this movie, even as it was. And uh, unfortunately, they didn't do that. I think that's a, a real problem with this movie is I never felt like the sound design was particularly great. No, not at all. Like, and even like the music, the, the telltale music, well, it kicks it's, up in odd places too. Yeah, I mean, it was done by, by Chris Carpenter and Carpenter's son. Um, I guess he came back to, to kind of redo the score and add mm-hmm. some new uh, wrinkles. So, um, I mean, that's, it's fine. I thought that, you know, it was nice to hear the score again. I do like it, but, um, and you know, what's with the jokes in this movie that undercut the really tense moments? Like, do I really need a conversation between two police officers about the baguette? And it just, it felt like a Danny McBride edition to that script. It's just like, I sat there and I watched that and I thought, I could have listened to like three minutes of this. Really? Like they, they, there was too many moments where they tried to undercut the tension with the joke, and I don't think that was the way to go in this movie. Yeah, my opinion with Rob Zombie and Danny McBride is that it's wonderful that you love this franchise, but I think you need to take your hands out of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Rob Zombie obviously is not really involved with this, but Danny McBride. I mean, don't get me wrong, Danny McBride is kind of the driving force to how this even got made, honestly. Um, but. I don't 
think that he should have really been all that involved integral to the script itself personally but um jake gyllenhaal who's a family friend of jamie lee curtis's uh it's kind of dubbed her unofficial grandson she's he's the one that convinced her to reprise the role for this movie so it's cool that they're close yeah yeah uh pj souls who was in the original um she plays the teacher in allison's class so that was cool you know that she'd come back for uh, a mini little role there a bit part yeah a bit part for her to jump into um all right so sarah let's get into our grades for this movie unless there's anything you also you want to add Any no i other... think we, we butchered it enough. Butchered enough yeah i think michael will be proud um all right, let's do the script uh, first. So, pros. Uh, I think a strong general premise for this movie. Uh, I think there are certain storylines, we talked about it at length, that, that I thought were good. Um, stuff with Lori uh, being older, uh, kind of suffering with like a PTSD thing. She's more like a, like a prepper. Um, that, those are all good things. I, I think some of the dialogue is good in this movie. Um, I think there's there's a lot of room for improvement, but I think some of the dialogue really works. Um, and I, I think that, uh, you know, it managed to be frightening at moments. But uh, from a script standpoint, it solid at moments, but not great for large stretches as well. Um, there's some really bad dialogue. I just mentioned about the, the baguette conversation with the cops. Just terrible. I didn't like the twist with the, the evil Loomis um, doctor character. And I, I didn't like... Um, I didn't like the fact that they didn't really lean into the family drama. And then we talked about that as well. So for me, uh, the script gets a 77. Um, I totally agree with your points that you made. I I like that they had this family dynamic. I just wish, like you said, we would lean more into it. I mean, I think that was probably the most interesting part of this movie, and they just kind of glossed over it. Um, so I gave it a 63. <laughs> okay. I am mean, I know. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a reverse of, of uh, Venom. <laughs> Um, because, uh, I was not impressed by 90% of Venom, to be quite honest. And, uh, <laughs> uh I feel like that, uh, did, I'm going to be a little higher on this than you are. So, yeah, I think so. All right. All right. Let's move on to, uh, acting. So, uh, standout performances, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that Jamie Lee Curtis does a really good job here. I think she's the closest thing to a real standout performance. I think she gave her all to this role. Um, I think that you do get a lot of heart and emotion out of her. I mean, she's kind of this gruff, stern woman at this point, but you can really see how this has affected her life. You can see how it has changed everything about her. Um, and that she can never really escape from it. I mean, she's divorced twice in this movie. Um, you can tell that she tried probably throughout her life at various points to move past it, but just couldn't. And ultimately, we get the person we see in this movie, and I think that they did a good job of 
creating, I think, a pretty strong but well-rounded character with her, and I think the acting reflects that. I think um, I thought that Judy Greer did a fine job, and you're not a huge fan of how she did the role, and I think Andy Matichak, uh you know, shines is almost like a Laurie Strode original Laurie Strode ish character here, uh, and I thought she did a good job, especially for somebody that's not a lot of acting experience. Yeah, but. No, I agree. But uh, you know, bad the 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 podcasters at the beginning, not great, not particularly great. Personally, uh, as podcasters, we don't condone the killing of podcasters. No, but but they were not great. Uh, and there was just some other. There's you know the boyfriend of uh, Allison. I didn't think he was particularly great. To be honest with you, I liked his friend better. You know. There's no point for that either. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there weren't horrible performances, but I thought they were average at best. Uh, so I'm going to give the acting an 82. I think that's pretty fair grade. Um, yeah, I like Jamie Lee Curtis. I thought she did a good job. I hate that they didn't change her hair. I don't know, for some reason, they kept taking me out of it, like, in 40 years, you didn't change your hairstyle. That just kind of bothers me. Um, but it, her acting was great. It, Jamie Lee Curtis is always, like, she's the scream queen. Yeah, she's wonderful. And uh, the new girl who played Allison, she you know, she did a great job. You know, that she wasn't bad acting whatsoever. You know, I felt like she was a seasoned actress. Um, I felt like we could have gotten more from other actors, but I don't think it's probably the actor's fault. I think that's just what they were given. So I gave the acting a 75. Okay. All right. Let's move on to directing. Uh, all right. So uh, how good did uh, David Gordon Green do here? Um, you know, I think he's he's definitely the more accomplished director to do this since the original. Um. I think he has more flair behind the camera. Uh, there was this nice shot uh, it, fairly early in the movie. It's after Michael escapes where he's outside of a window and there's a woman inside and she's just been alerted the fact that the bus crashed and Michael's out and, you know, she's like, oh, you know, I'll watch out. And of course, you know, this is just the worst timing ever. Mm-hmm. But we see Michael uh, go in one shot. We see him go around the side of the house go in the house come around grab the woman's neck and stab his knife through it and i thought it was just a very nice stylish you know shot there because you see so much in that one shot you know it's it's a nice one shot so it really worked well for me i thought some of his uh selections shot wise were evocative i think there's definitely a lot of homages to the original there's um just kind of moments in this uh, where where Michael uh, is um, we see the shots from a distance where uh, it just reminds us of the original. There's times where uh, Lori does what Michael did in the first one. So as an example, he in the original Lori stabs him with a knife. He goes and drops over the roof, and then she looks away, you know, and then looks down, and he's gone. Well, same mm-hmm. thing happens in this movie. Michael throws her over the roof, you know, out the window. She tumbles down. She's laying on the ground. He gets distracted for a moment, looks down. She's gone. 
Um, and then there's uh, another shot later where she looms out of the darkness behind Michael. And in the original, he looms out of the darkness behind her. So those were definitely homages to the original things that they obviously did on purpose, which was fine. Um, but there were, there were, I think, a little too many moments um, you know, with that in this movie, uh, which I think was part of the problem I had was they were trying to, to homage the, the first one so much that I felt like it detracted ultimately yeah. to what this movie was trying to do. So. Anyway, back to the directing. I think it's a solid effort. I don't think it's the greatest thing I've ever seen by any stretch, but uh, I definitely feel like it's um, it's a step up, I think, for Rob Zombie. Um, definitely. <clears throat> but I think I'll give him an 82. I think it's a pretty solid effort. All right. Yeah. Um, Directing-wise, there are some shots, like you said. The window one was one that sticks out to me. I do like that. It was a really cool effect. Um, I kind of wish they kind of stayed on the window and had him like killer behind the window and it was just kind of silent and you watch it happen. That would have been, it's nice to be a fly on a wall sometimes, but directing, I don't think, you know, it wasn't bad and I don't think it was great. It was just kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, so I gave it a 73. Okay. All right. Let's move on to special effects. So. Uh, the only special effects like we talked about in this movie was the bars, which we didn't really think were all that great. But it's such a minor special effect in this entire movie. I'm kind of loath to – I don't know. Uh, there is – there's other special effects, but that's more um, practical. Blood you know, and makeup and stuff like that. That's where the movie shines because it needs to. Uh, it's it's all about the blood and you know – corpses hanging on of gate or hang on gates and things like that so that's where any of that actually exists in the practical realm i think it's a pretty good job you know obviously it's a slasher movie they need to make sure that that really holds up well which of course it does um i think they did a good job with hair makeup and practical effects here um so for me i'm going to give them an 80 but i gotta take some off which is why I'm giving it an 80 because yeah those bars were pretty terrible looking yeah they really were and I agree the effects were the practical effects were really cool I mean you know blood spurted where it was supposed to made a lot of cool effects and you know a lot of the bashing of the heads were you know it was well done <laughs> like you never for a second think any of it's fake um so I would have given it an 84, but because of those bars, I'm lowering it to 74. Ooh, 10 point it's cut. It's deducted 10 points, yes. Um, what was your directing score again, by the way? Sorry. Uh, directing, that was 73. Okay. All right, so let's go to editing and pacing. Uh, You know, I think editing-wise, I felt like for the most part, this movie was pretty solid pretty good there i mean i didn't feel like there were a lot of moments where the editing was bad or anything i felt like things matched up well um i didn't feel like i was watching something happen to scene and was like confused because the cuts were so bad um so on that it's pretty good pacing wise it's weird this movie isn't all that long i mean if you take out the credits it, it's maybe an hour and a half mm-hmm. hour 35 at most um so it's got a pretty quick runtime, but it honestly it it drags in the first thirty minutes 
of this movie. The first third, it it drags mostly because of the the podcasters and all that. It just really hurts this movie big time for me. Um, yeah, once Mike was out and once he's killing and stuff and and all that's going down, it's a different story. I still felt like there were elements where it was actually sagging mid mid movie, even though all this stuff was going on. Yep. I still felt like there were moments where there was some sag in the middle, which there really shouldn't be with only an hour left of this movie, but there was. And the fact that the first 20 minutes for me really just sagged the whole time, I really was not invested whatsoever uh, in the first 20 minutes. Um, not good. Not good. So anyway, uh, editing and pacing and the, 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 the gets to 75 for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the editing wasn't, you know... Yeah, it wasn't bad, It would, but it wasn't like, you know, through the roof, awesome editing and pacing. It was just like your average, hor- like, you don't have to be a master editor and good at pacing to get pacing right of a Halloween movie. I mean, it's a guy, you know, casually strolling towards his victims. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's kind of very simple laid out and the scenes that are more complicated, I mean, they were shot well. You know, I didn't feel it had highs and lows it was kind of consistent so i gave it an 80 yeah but you know but here's the thing though if you go back to the original i mean the pacing for that movie was exquisite it was fantastic i mean the pacing really was one of the best aspects of that movie because they had everything mapped out so well and it was just the whole movie was just flowed so perfectly yeah so I mean, you can do you can do it poorly, or you can do it well. Yeah. I mean, it it's even though it's a simple premise and it's it's a slasher movie, you can do a poorly paced. It's true, yeah. yeah, it could it could just be really bad. So you can muck it up, but definitely this one's just yeah, you know, it was fine. You you didn't really notice it. Yeah, exactly. That's so fine. Gives it an eighty. Okay. All right, so let's move on to uh, rewatchability. Um, so we're going to give it a grade. I, I've decided what we're going to do is we're going to give it a grade like we always do, but we're going to um, – we're, we're going – not going to – obviously not going to factor into the overall grade for the movie. So yeah, um, I'm going to give this uh, about a 70, I think. Uh, it's a quick watch. There are, you know, it's good things to uh to like about this movie. I think it's not the worst movie to to sit down around Halloween. I wouldn't watch it over the original by any stretch, but most movies I wouldn't watch over that around this time of year. But it's relatively solid movie. Yeah, my rewatchability score is. 30 there's wow. pretty much no way i'm watching this again and um yeah for me it's just unwatchable unrewatchable wow that's yeah, it's a good thing that doesn't factor into our score anymore because i think that would have dragged it down quite a bit <laughs> yeah well and you know just just for people that might want to know why in case you didn't listen to our our more recent venom review uh the reason that we're not factoring those in is because we just realized that there, are, all of these reviews are all these grades are subjective. We understand that, but fun, lighthearted movies tend to have, for the most part, 
or action movies are going to get higher rewatchability grades generally than something that might be serious or difficult to watch. So um, a hard-hitting movie like Schindler's List, as great as it is, is going to have a very low rewatchability grade for a lot of people. And is that really fair? Because it's not a fun movie. Whereas a lighthearted comedy, like say, I don't know, The Wedding Singer or something. I mean, it just, you know, anything that's kind of makes you laugh or is a good time or is action-packed fun movie is going to just get a higher grade. You know, like Guardians of the Galaxy or um, Die Hard or something. I mean, they're just going to be a, a higher grade as a result of the fact that they're not um, a movie that's going to make you want to I don't know, watch a happy cartoon afterwards. Yeah. To balance everything out. So. But anyway, um, it looks like. Uh, What's our score? Our overall, well, our overall score. Um, okay. Uh, give me one second here and I'll give you my score and your score. Quick calculations. And I'm adding them up. And all right, so Punch my my score is a seventy nine. About right, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that that comes out. Actually, it's probably a little higher than I thought it was gonna be. Honestly, I thought my score was gonna be about a seventy five, roughly. Yeah. But it ended up being a little, a little higher than I expected. Um, your score is a seventy three. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yep. So, if we add those up, it comes out to a grand total of a 76 for Halloween. I thought it would be a little lower, but I guess that's right around where we would yeah. rate this. It, it, it's a, you know, like I said, it's solid. It's not great, but I think that it deserves it around a 75, 76. Somewhere in the 75 to an 80 range is probably about, you know, where it should be. Fair enough. So. Alright, works for me. Alright, all right, everyone. Um, if you'd like to write into the podcast and let us know what you think, uh, please do. Send it to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com and uh, you know, if you agree with our review on Halloween, let us know what you think. If you don't agree, let us know what you think. We just uh, would like to hear your thoughts on the movie and whether we were right on some of the elements uh, being poorly done or or maybe well done maybe there's things maybe you hate the setup for this movie and like the fact that Lori is a ptsd um doomsday prepper or maybe you loved the 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 you know evil dr loomis clone twist midway through the movie you know so anyway that's it from uh, us in this episode so thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time Later, guys. Later, geeks. Later, geeks. <laughs> yeah, I have to do that, apparently. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.